hear you just fine. We are now recording. Oh my god. Cool. Are you having fun yet? I'm, I was having fun before we were recording also. What are you up to right now? Right now. Um, I'm doing revolutionary art with you. <laughs> oh, nice. Yo, when I Google you, you know what the third result is? It's our movie. The revolutionary art I mean, movie. I should say my movie that you were in, but yeah. I am the star of that movie. Actually, I rewatched it fairly recently, and the part with you and Georgia is actually the star, I think. What What? What do you mean? Um, When you're like getting a little bit emotional, and I'm feeling really nervous, and Georgia's feeling really like emotional also. Mm. That's really like the star of the movie, because it was just very unexpected, I feel. That was like the only time we ever hung out. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we're only meant to make revolutionary art together. Nice. I like I like the energy you're bringing to the you know very beginning of this podcast. Thank you. Wait, how long is this podcast? As long as we want. Um, it's I have to go at like six fifteen, but it's four thirty eight here, so plenty of time. Plenty of time. Maybe too much time. But I like that you're um seeing this as the revolutionary art that it certainly is. Uh, what else would it be? Yeah, I don't know. We, we probably are incapable of making anything else. <laughs> I mean, I agree. That's why I'm here. So what do you want to do now that we're here? <laughs> well, I have some questions about your life. Oh, Could awesome. You have... I have some questions about your life, too. So this is really okay. this is really cool because we haven't seen each other in like four years. So we... Facebook.com. And we were never even like really close friends, but we've just and stayed in touch online and stuff what we were enemies we were enemies weren't we for a little bit like internet enemies yeah but also real life enemies i made mean looks at you when i saw you oh right i can hardly remember all that old philly drama it's so far away from me now agree um Thanks. so okay yeah you can ask me whatever you want i have, i also have some questions for you it's fun that like we're kind of catching up just as friends and also gonna yeah, record this and maybe, yeah, make revolutionary art. Um, so maybe you could just remind me, just give me like a very quick, easy kind of like recap of like what the hell you've been doing over the past four years. <laughs> Wait, no, I had questions for you first. All right, you can start, but you have to, you have to take your turn at some point too. Okay. Go ahead. Why are you, okay. My questions are, why are you in the UK and when did you get married? Because it wasn't on the internet and it's hard to know about people who are not really friends, like people you just do revolutionary art with, like their personal lives, if they don't put it on facebook.com. So I want to know about those things. Okay. So we'll do one at a time. The first one's easy. I'm in the UK because I got a job here. Like a tenure track job? Yeah. So I'm an academic here and, uh, going to live there forever. I don't know. I mean, I have no idea. I'm pretty happy with living here now. I, I mean, I'm not in a rush to move anywhere. I'm also not, you know, I'm not like super positively uh, amped on living in Southampton, England. Uh, but it's pretty good here. I mean, I'm pretty happy. But I'm not like, you know, passionately devoted to staying here. Like, oh, it's the best city ever. I want to live here the rest of my life. No, I don't really feel that. But I'm pretty happy here and I'm not in any rush to leave. Like I'm not dissatisfied. I'm not like itching to go somewhere cooler or better. 
I actually think living in a small city where there's like not that much going on is really cool and useful because it's like you find you 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 find cool people and you make friends, uh, but there's not that much going on, so you have to just sort of do your own projects and you have to make life interesting and valuable in your own way through your own like yeah revolutionary art basically. Uh, whereas when you live in a big city, you can always be distracting yourself with like going to stupid bullshit and like hanging out with people and like trying to have sex with people when there's like all these different kinds of distractions in big cities, you know, but in a small city where there's like, you know, there's like, there's like 10 radical people in Southampton and I know them all and we're friends and I'm, you know, not like trying to get laid or be like a social butterfly. So I just have more time to make podcasts and write shit and do whatever I want. And I like that about living in a small city. So that's the, that's a little bit of a reflection uh, to add to, to your uh, simple question. And then I would say, what was the other question? Oh yeah. When did I get married? I got, I got married when I moved here. Um, so be there. What's that? So she could like live there legally. Well, I would not right. say that, but I would say, uh, yeah. okay. how would cool. I say that, um, you know, when I got the job here, it gave us many reasons to think about uh, whether we wanted to take our relationship to the next level. And uh, we decided uh, that, yes, we should do that. And it just so happens that that then made it possible for Ari to get a visa and for us to move here together. Uh, yeah. So it worked out very conveniently. What's that? For a moment, I forgot that this was recorded, but all of that makes sense. I only ask because you are not like someone I think would be super crazy about marriage because it's not really i mean it could be revolutionary art but it's not necessarily revolutionary art to no it's def it's definitely revolutionary art marriage is one of the most revolutionary art forms i've ever participated in it's funny <laughs> it's funny that you say that and it's interesting that you say that that you wouldn't take me as someone who would be interested in marriage um but i'm i'm really into marriage i think it's like the biggest baddest coolest thing i've ever done by far can you say more yeah because it's like it's a little political community, you know, it's like the most radical bond that most people in their life will ever, you know, autonomously enter into, or at least it can be, that's how I see it. Um, and it's, in it's best possibility. That is what it is. And it's crazy. Like when you get married, you embark on, it's not just like, it's not like any other relationship you've ever been in. When you make this sort of pledge that you're going to be with this person for life, I take that shit seriously. And when you, when you do take that seriously, and you really believe in it and you hold yourself to that totally new things happen that you weren't even expecting. Like it, cha it changes like the very nature of sort of your experience or the quality, the quality of life in some sense, because everything is more intense. Like, um, you, when you can't like get off the ship, live, <laughs> living on that ship feels way more meaningful and intense and, and exciting. And so it's scary for sure. But that's where the beauty and the intensity and the energy comes from. Like this feeling that, you know, no matter what happens between us, we're going to work it out and I'm going to, I'll, I'll, I'll go down with the ship if I have to. That's a really exciting thing. And it, and it actually teaches you how powerful you are. Like you learn to weather storms that when you were like a kid, you would have just dumped them for, you know? Um, Can you give me an example? Um, I mean we had some rough times when, when we first moved over here and we were first married and I was like first getting adjusted to the job. Um, without going into too many details, it, it was like really pretty shitty for like a whole year actually. 
we were just like very confused. I was very frustrated with, with work and, and all kinds of things. Like my publications weren't moving as, as much as I wanted them to. Aria was like finding, having a hard time finding her footing here because, you know, she did kind of come here with my job being sort of the impetus. And that's like a classic difficult situation. I know uh, I do that. It sucks. Yeah. 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 So anyway, without, you know, boring you with details, it was real. We had some like really shitty periods in the first year. And we ended up kind of hurting each other in different ways in way in ways that like if we weren't married, we probably both would have broken up with each other at some point in that first year. But when you have that marriage bond and you've made this pledge to like stick it out no matter what, you force yourself to get through those things. And sometimes and there's a critique that, that sees marriage as problematic because like, why are you abusing yourself and forcing yourself to live through this like suffering? But well is suffering yeah yeah well that's that's one thing but what, what i say is that when you when you have this sort of shared structure to force yourself through these hardships and then you actually get through them and you grow out of them you pop out the other side in an incredible way and you're sort of like you realize you're actually way tougher than you thought you were and that your love is stronger than you thought you were capable of and that you're actually like a better fuller person than you even knew you could be because you had this sort of shared obligation this shared commitment uh, to sort of force you through that. And that's like, that's something I've learned about being married that is really radical. And it, it is, it is art. It is like lifestyle art because you're basically changing the nature of your own self by making commitments. Like by making commitments, you can create yourself into versions of yourself you didn't even know you could make because you have this like larger structure that is acting as a power on you and, and molding you. And that's exciting as hell, and it's awesome, and I love it. And also, you just save a lot of time not trying to get laid. <laughs> well, there are married people who still, like, try to get laid. Yeah, and they waste a lot of time because they're idiots. Okay, but, you know, people do get divorced. Yeah, because they're, they're, they're idiots, and they don't know how to be committed. Cool. No, not always. I'm being, I'm being a bit uh, pr provocative, but... Uh, no, I mean, I think we, I think our culture, we do have like a commitment problem. Like people are terrified of commitment and people want to quit as soon as things get difficult. But you know what? I say, suck it the fuck up and stick with your partner because it's called fucking love and it's called communism. It really is like family and love and marriage It is like at the root of what we call communism. I really do think that. So I think that too, actually. And I feel like a lot of people don't agree and most communists I know are not crazy about marriage because the state, the state's bad, but the state could be good. I mean, our state would be good. Agree or disagree? Well, you mean like when you get married and then you have friends and then you build up like a little autonomous state through relationships. Is that what you mean? Well, I mean like when we have communism, but that would be nice too. I think, we you, I think you and I might disagree on that sort of thing. I'm not really into oh. taking over the state. I think you might be, but that's cool. I respect that. But I'm into the idea. I'm into the idea of through our relationships, we build communism from the ground up. That's basically what I think. That sounds pretty slow moving. Yeah, it's hard. But you know what, Mindy, you have to learn some patience. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like you're going to have communism with your ten radical friends in Southampton, which is nice. Well, no, I think you start with like your partner, and you start with things like marriage. You start with like really deep relationships with the people that you really want to pledge your your life to. And then when you learn how to have a true relationship with a few people, then with that knowledge, you start spreading it out to other relationships. So then you can have like loving kind of like marriage relationships, but just at the friendship level with like 20 people. And then when you figure out how to do that really consistently, 
then you can have communist relationships with 100 people. And then each of those people can do that with 100 more people until we have this kind of like massive uh, kind of contagious phenomenon running throughout our society in which people in truly loving uh, and transparent, honest, healthy relationships uh, are fundamentally sort of uh, overwhelming or overthrowing currently existing institutions. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, that's nice. It sounds very nice. And you said, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I mean, I don't know if that's communism, but it's very nice. I think I feel like often caught between like, you know, people like want to do things, good, good things individually. Like I want to have a job that does good or I want to do political work that's good. And I want to like, I don't know, stop eating meat so I can do good. Some, something that you choose to do by yourself or with someone else. And I think all of that stuff is very nice and good. I guess sometimes I feel like that's the way we're supposed to build the world we want to live in by like acting like the world we want to live in. But then other ways, I think we can't just do it ourselves. I mean, we have to do it ourselves, but we have to do it bigger than ourselves. Right. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a common way to see that question. And I definitely think about that a lot and have a lot of, I, I, I re appreciate that attitude. Um, but I think that sometimes people like imagine that we have to do these like big institutional things for what we do with our lives to matter or to be able to overthrow things or to change the world. But sometimes I think that that, that feeling that you just expressed, I mean, what if that is sort of the, one of the big blockages that makes us not take our relationships as seriously as we could, you know, like, this idea that we have to sort of like build power and build organizations and then those organizations have to take over things quickly now. Like that actually leads us to, for instance, like n not treat our partners as well as we could because that's really time consuming. What do you totally. think? So, yeah. yeah, so I'm sort of more into the idea that like, what if we just radically do nothing else but love the shit out of the people that we can and to have the truest possible, most humane loving, explosively satisfying and inspiring and creative relationships with the people that we're actually, you know, uh, able to touch and that are able to touch us. What if we just do that only so radically that actually other things begin to sort of uh, become drowned out by the energy that we are able to cultivate concretely. Have you been doing yoga? Have I? Yeah. You sound like a yoga person. No, don't say that. A little bit. Because uh, I have, I have, yeah, person. I have been doing yoga. So unfortunately I'm, I'm worried that, uh, I'm not like a fucking new age person. I'm not into that shit. It's what you're saying is a little bit new agey. I think it's nice. And yeah, I, get it. I guess you're right. I see your point. All right. Thank fuck you. it. I take it back. <laughs> well, okay. Don't so, see your partner now. I'm just up. saying, but like, no, I think that's totally right. Like many communist men that I know, no shade treat their partners like shit because they're too invested in their political work. And some of their political work is one really fucking dumb and self-serving, but like, also it's like, this shit is going to take a long time. And do you want to be like alone in your bed for the rest of your life trying to build communism? Because I personally don't. And I also want communism. Well said, let me go back to what you originally, cause you originally asked me about my marriage and shit like that. And I gave you, a little bit of a summary 
So tell me about like your, you have a boyfriend, right? That you've been with for a while now. I never got to meet him, but tell me about, tell me about like your, the revolutionary art that you create through romance. That's really nice. Um, he's very nice. He's a communist. He went on a walk because he didn't want to interrupt our podcast. Are you, are you, are you two going to get married? Do you think? Well, it's like, you know, something. Yeah, probably. I guess. that's what <laughs> really? you, Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I want to have a baby. Do you want to have a baby? Um, I'm thinking about it. I'm, I'm actually trying to solicit like opinions on whether I should have a baby. I asked my friends if they think I should have a baby, but they won't tell me. Do you think I should have a baby? Yeah, that's like the most revolutionary art you can create. I've heard that. I have a friend who, I have a friend, one of my colleagues actually, who says that, um, she says like her family's like the most revolutionary thing she's ever done. And that's really stuck with me. Yeah. Oh God, that's so sweet. Tell me, tell me about why you want to have a baby. How you, how do you see that? Well, I go back and forth because often I'm filled with like dread and despair because the world is bad, right. but like my world is like good, like my revolutionary art that I make with Ben, it's good and I like it. And I love my siblings a lot. You know, my sister Diane. Yeah. Um, who's also makes revolutionary art and she lives with us. Mm-hmm. So we all make art together. Um, and I think family is really important and special. So I guess when I think about that, I want to have a baby because I think, I mean, my body just. I can feel it wants a baby and I can't feel that. I guess that's just like nature or God or something. Um, But also I think it would be cool because life is extremely long. I mean, hopefully I guess if you're lucky or unlucky, depending on how you see it, but also kind of boring. Like I can't imagine doing what I've been doing for the last five years for like 25 more years with no like other thing. So I think Baby is like another way to have fun while you're alive because being alive is kind of boring sometimes. I hear that. I, I, yeah, I feel like to me that in my head, the main thing that makes me want to have a baby is just thinking that when I'm older, life will be boring and meaningless if I don't have this like continuation of life thing to be a part of. You know what I mean? Yeah, but also the world is extremely bad and i guess it's always been extremely bad but it seems like it's kind of on a downward slope (laughs) now and it's probably going to keep going down before it goes up and also labor and childbirth are pretty wacky wacky stuff you poop did you know that i'm just not crazy about that while you give a baby you poop a lot of people as the baby comes out well like usually before but yeah because it's like a lot of pushing. You're pushing for a long time. So like you're pushing poop out. So the baby comes out one hole and poop comes out the other hole. Are you kidding me? Really? <laughs> Justin, you've never heard this before? No. What, from whom would I hear that? I don't know anyone who's had a baby. I don't, Well, a few, but I'm not close enough. I mean, it just, it's like common sense. You would think, huh, I wonder if people poop when they give birth. So then you Google it. And yes, yeah, like 80% of women poop when they give birth. Wow. Um, well, that's something to look forward to. So when do you want to have a baby? I don't know. I mean, I am on the birth control pill right now. So I guess it would be something I would have to like, think about. Like, <laughs> that's not so, going to help you have a baby. <laughs> right. So I'd have to um, stop taking my birth control pill. And then um, 
try to get pregnant, but I don't have a job right now. So I don't have health insurance. So that's number one. And the other thing is my family would really want me to be married before I had a baby because they're kind of traditional is a nice way of putting it. Mm. And also I really, I'm nervous. Like I'm I'm nervous about, um, like I love Ben and I love our relationship, but like, um monogamy for a long time scares me Mm. so that's something that i want to go back to but before i do i want to ask you so when you decide that you do want to have a baby are you going to do it by secretly going off birth control and not telling your boyfriend um no that would be really horrible and weird and mean but fun could be funny and like a weird art experiment but no i really respect ben so i wouldn't do that okay obviously i was kidding i know you wouldn't do that <laughs> but it could be fun um oh yeah so like- so i wanted to go back to what you just said uh which was what remind me monogamy is scary like, oh yeah, yeah so so are you like monogamous with your boyfriend right now because i noticed yeah. that in some of your in some of your writing which you've been doing a lot of recently and by the way i want to say you know i'm a fan of what you do i like to see my friends like you know sticking their neck out and like doing more creative stuff so i like that i like all the weird stuff that you've been kind of creating lately with your like newsletter and your advice column and stuff it's cool to see friends like did you see diane's advice um yeah i saw some of it It you know i read what i can but um yeah no it's interesting it's just interesting to see friends doing weird stuff so i wanted to tell you that but i think Thank you, Justin. You know, I don't always agree with a lot of the stuff you write online, but <laughs> but I like to see my friends, you know, like doing their thing, you know. So even though I don't always agree, I like you. I like to see you doing your thing. What's that? How do you agree with? Um, like ninety nine percent of what you write. But <laughs> <laughs> okay, what do you agree with? Um, I agree with the idea of you like doing your thing and saying saying what you want. I like that. I'm okay, just that's kind of a cop out, but did you? No, well, I'm, I don't have anything to mind that I like can think of that I strongly disagree with. But I think I would I would say you and I have very different kind of uh, intellectual styles or like political. I don't have an intellectual style. What's that? I don't think I, I would. I don't have an intellectual style. Right. Well, maybe that's the difference between us in the sense that <laughs> you're kind of more. Well, no, I, I, I'm not being I'm not being at all like judgmental. I'm just saying like you're like you're an activist and an organizer and you kind of. Uh, you represent like a particular sort of uh, space, I guess you could call it, in sort of the intellectual or political uh, coordinates. That is totally fine, but it's not necessarily the one I'm kind of operating in. We could talk. Yeah, we, well, I mean, we could try to we could try to break that apart if we want to. But um, there was something I was going to say. Remind me what we what were we talking about? <laughs> Monogamy. Right, but I was I was trying to get to something, and we got we got distracted. Oh, something wrote in my newsletter. Oh yeah, yeah, right, right. You you made some references to, um, yeah, like making making like flirty eyes with guys you come across in public. Oh, that was one time. You're a lot, you know when you're married, you're allowed to make googly eyes with people. Well, so this is what I wanted to ask you about. So, what is your um, like, what is your arrangement with your boyfriend? Like, are you kind of like generous in what <laughs> like your definitions of what counts as betrayal? Cause I think for me, like I'm, I'm pr- in the, in a weird way, this is, I'm kind of conservative on, on these things. Just like from my, my personal preferences. Like I, 
I met you, you were very interested in open relationships and that's why you hurt my friend's feelings and that's why you were my enemy. Yeah, because back in that day, I was kind of like, I was kind of like a shitty person. Like I was like, I, 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 I was like sleeping around a bit more than Just I should have, you know? I don't think I was much worse than average, but like, I think that whole 20 something like urban dating culture is really perverse and really harmful. What's that? Because of DJ culture. Right. But that would be a major cause of it all. But I think that basically like people just sleep around too much and it fucks people up. And I think I was definitely kind of like in that uh, lifestyle. I wouldn't say I was like a womanizer that bad. Like I, not much more than like the average right. kind of like dude in like an urban like mm -hmm. milieu. But uh, anyway, where I was going with this is that I'm curious to know like what is your arrangement with your boyfriend? Because I tend to be more conservative. Like, I will not even... If a, if, if a woman, like, makes eye contact with me in public, I, like, for even a second, I will, like, put my head down and walk away. Just because I like to be kind of conservative with that sort of stuff. Like, but do you, do you have an, an understanding with your partner where, like, you're kind of allowed to make... You're allowed yeah, to make googly eyes? But no, you said, like, googly eyes. Like, flirting eyes. Like, are you allowed to flirt with other people? Is your boyfriend cool with that? Um, I mean, I guess... We don't really frame it that way because I'm an overly friendly person. Uh, some day. <laughs> yeah. So I think he's just um, grown used to it. He's not that way. So we don't have like an arrangement about making eye contact with people. We have like other arrangements, but I, so, okay. You're monogamous. You guys are. Not. I'm into it. Like, I don't think other people have to do it, but I'm into it. Yeah. That is so interesting because when we did our last piece of revolutionary art, you were not into it. Really? I don't remember that. Well, you were not into it when you were seeing my friend, which was right before the revolutionary art that we made. Who was your friend? I don't even remember. <laughs> Who are you George? talking about? Oh, you're talking about Georgia. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, what I was saying before is like, at that time in my life, I was probably just like, not i was like afraid of commitment you know you said it was political you made it political yeah because people say it's political when actually they're just afraid of commitment <laughs> okay but don't you think you could not be afraid of commitment and also have crushes on people besides the one person that you're with for sure for sure yeah I, th I think there's definitely like a way to be emotionally and intellectually mature and also uh have more ranges of of freedom yeah for sure um so i'm not making any kind of blanket statement about that i was just curious what your because i knew that you were in a kind of serious relationship and then when i saw how you were writing about like flirting with other people i was just curious i'm not judging I'm, i was just curious thank you no um we're monogamous currently but you're allowed I to think. flirt with other people i think that's just extremely hard to like <laughs> like qualify and quantify like what is flirting like <laughs> no seriously like is it making eye contact with someone because that's i mean no, it's a fair it point. Long eye contact with someone, and then it's like, how long? Eh, I don't know. I don't think that can really. I see your point. So your attitude is like, should just have a kind of relaxed attitude about, um, like everyday interactions with people of the other sex or of whatever sex. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I yeah, and I I like women and also men and also I guess any. There are lots of genders these days, so right. I don't. I don't discriminate. See, I like but, how... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, you know, I think there's a difference between, like, talking slash eye contact 
versus like physical. Like if my mouth like landed on someone else's mouth, that that would be like probably different. But right. also fine, probably. I mean, it's not like the end of the world. I don't think. Like your boyfriend would just be like, ah, oh, okay, no big deal. Well, I don't know what he would be like, but if he came home one day and was like, I smooched someone, I'd be like, hmm, wasn't expecting that, but like, that's okay. I mean, we'll okay. move through it, I guess. I well, mean, yeah. like what you said about like marriage and commitment, it's like you move through things. We've, I mean, we've been together over two years and we've been living together for basically that whole time. It's like, am I going to like be done with our whole relationship because you did something I didn't like? That would be dumb. Well, it's good that you would extend to your partner the relaxed attitude that you want to be able to practice yourself. So that, that's cool. I like that. That I, You're all really good at like, um, like um, saying mean things to people in a nice way. Really? I, no, I, I, there wasn't anything underhanded about that. No, I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying you have a, gen, it seems like you have a genuinely relaxed attitude towards like how you interact with other people, but also you have a correspondingly relaxed attitude about your expectations from your partner. So I feel yeah. like as long as those two things are aligned, then it's like, and the other person's on has a similar attitude, then that's perfect. And that's cool. And I admire that. And I think it's interesting. I just find it, I find it interesting how people can be so different, you know, like your attitude that you just expressed. I think it's like very powerful and very cool. Um, and I, but I'm just like so different. Like I, I have like this like strong taste for re imposing really strict rules on myself. I like kind of like like really harsh self-discipline and I like moral like stringency but but only when applied to myself like I I don't like when other people try to impose moral constraints on me but I like kind of uh imposing really strict moral constraints on myself and that Okay so so you wouldn't make eye contact with someone because that's too much but what if your partner made eye contact with someone for a long time my attitude with taria has always been i'm i'm pretty much willing to accept almost any type of arrangement that she wants my yeah, my my only my only need and kind of like firm boundary or limit is i want to know what it is in advance clearly i want to know what the what the expectations are clearly so as long as I as long as I understand what it is she wants and how she wants to manage these boundaries, as long as I understand clearly, then all is fine. Um, so right now we both tend to be kind of uh, content with like a, a pretty traditional monogamous sort of set of expectations. So given this understanding that we have, if she were to all of a all of a sudden be like making flirty eyes with guys in coffee shops or whatever. And I were to find out or see that or something, I would be How like, find out. Well, let's. That's just so I'm just saying. Minimal. I'm just saying hypothetically. I would. I would say to you know. I would be like a little bit uh, concerned or like potentially freaked out about that. But that's only because of what our current expectations are. If she came to me tonight and said, Justin, you know, I've been thinking about it, and I really would like to have a little bit more freedom to perhaps interact more like openly or creatively with people I meet. Uh, in a way that might be construed as flirtatious, but I want to have that freedom. It's really important to me. I would be willing to accept that and like respect that for sure. Um, and my my key thing is just like, it has to be, I think things have to be communicated clearly and sort of agreed to transparently first before people like take liberties. I think that's actually super important personally. That's what Ben wants too. I'm like, 
And do you, you like, are, are you into that too? Or are you like, I, I will be into it for Ben's sake, but my preference for all of these things is like to just not talk about it because I think that we like we being Ben and I, but we being like anyone could spend a lot of time talking about like other stuff, like extracurricular things instead of like the stuff we normally talk about, which is like communism. And (laughs) I, for me, it's like, I think it's good to have boundaries. And I think I've struggled with boundaries in the past um, without going into too much detail. But I also think that if something isn't like affecting like how it is between us or how it is between anyone, it's like, why talk about it? Okay. That's interesting. Cause that's almost the opposite of my kind of attitude. But again, I just find that interesting. And when I listen to you say that, it sounds cool. Uh, like I admire it. Um, anyway, it's interesting that we got immediately talking about relationships and like romance and stuff like that. Um, what do you think about the new Drake album? I haven't listened to it. Can I be honest? Mindy. I know. I haven't listened to it. Why are you, why are you sleeping on that? <laughs> what are you doing? Well, can I be honest? I know Drake is very popular with the kids. And I, too, enjoy listening to Drake's music. But I don't think that he's that good of a rapper. And so I think that this album will be the same as all the other ones, which is, like, enjoyable. Like, a little bit, like, shallowly, like, sad boy and then I'll like move on and never listen to it again. Okay. Except when I hear it on the radio. Fair enough. I am a huge admirer of Aubrey Graham. He's one of my role models, I would even say. Oh, really? Can you, you know, say more? It's very, very weird because I don't I'm not a fan of any currently existing musical artist. Like I, I listen to music and I like some music, but I wouldn't consider myself a fan or like a true admirer. There's no one really out there whose like work I really, really like and kind of hang on. Except for Drake. Isn't that so weird? Like, who it would... Very... Can you say why? Um, I don't know if I can say why. I just think he's, like, fucking so badass. I, well, because I, I like how he's, you know, he's obviously known for the whole sort of, like, emotional turn in rap music. And maybe not, you know, the sort of founder or creator of it, but one of the main sort of contributors to that sort of new turn in more intellectual and emotional, you know, rap music. And so that's an obvious thing that I, I like and I'm drawn to. Um, but even the other people kind of like, you know, Kendrick Lamar or other people who kind of put in that camp, uh, Frank Ocean, who I do, I, I like them too. Um, there's something about Drake that speaks to me. I think he's actually really, I read him as quite interested in politics. Like I, I in, my, in, this, in the modules that I teach, they call them modules here in the UK, sorry. In the courses, whatever. I often... Uh, we learn like a whole new set of words for things yeah yeah like what you're wearing right now i told you before we started recording that's a dressing gown uh we don't say courses course is the word for like the the whole university progression the the individual class is called module whatever it's fucking stupid but um (laughs) i've had to internalize all these things so in my modules that i teach i i i often uh will bring in drake as a kind of uh as a guide for some of the things that i'm trying to talk about because he's um yeah sure so like you know the song headlines uh from yep. one of his old albums is one of his big songs it's like it's quite a good song it's I, I quite like it um but it's very much like a political theory of the media um 
And rap is often very good for this sort of thing because rappers are always thinking about, you know, how are they going to climb to the top of the game? You know, it's like one of the one of the key sort of questions and themes in, in rap music, right? Uh, so Drake has a very nuanced and sophisticated kind of political theory about how you kind of win the game. And in particular, through rising up through the media and dealing with sort of media issues. And actually, you know, he's kind of, he's kind of known for kind of themes related to the media, right? He's often, you know, like hotline bling and te text messages, right? He's like constantly talking about um, how technology, the role that technology plays in his life. And he's- But all rappers talk about that. They're always talking about texting women. Right, but I think Drake's on a different level is what I'm trying to say. I think he's really got his finger on some really important insights about kind of, yeah, what I would call the sort of the political theory of uh, everyday life, especially relating to media. So if you listen to that song Headlines, for instance, it's got like a whole little philosophy about how to, um, you know, how to distinguish like the real people from the fake people. That's like a common issue. That's a, essentially a political issue, right? Like how do you distinguish friends from enemies? It's a diff it's actually a difficult puzzle. You don't always know. And something Drake is like really interested in and he's thought really long and hard about this and his songs contain pretty specific sort of uh, answers to how we how we make those judgments uh, intellectually and socially. And yeah, what you, are specific answers. Well, you know, one of the things that he says in I think it's the song Headlines is he has this sort of uh, line uh, about how the how how the real is on the rise. Um, and I quote this, I quote this phrase about the real, the real is on the rise because, oh, there you go. Let's listen. Go ahead. Play the first, play the first, uh, the first verse or whatever. Wow. The video is very. Listen to the word. all right so so at the end there you know when he says like that's just something they know they know they know they know what he's saying there is that like if you're really authentic people are gonna fucking know it and if you're fake it's not gonna work like people can fake shit and get a little bit of attention here and there they can you know get jobs maybe they can get paid for small gigs or whatever like you can fake a lot of things in this world and make it small time you know you can you can fake your way into small levels of success but if you're really authentic, people are going to fucking know it and you're going to and you're going to shoot straight to the top. That's like a kind of political insight. What? What is authenticity? It means not fucking lying. It means like being who you are as intensely well, as possible. It's not authentic then. Well, you know, he tells you more if you listen to his songs, he tells you more about how to be authentic. So for instance, earlier in that in that in those verses we just listened to, uh, he talks about how like he just he just takes his time with all the shit. He still believes in that. That, for instance, that's authenticity. Like a lot of people just want to do what's quick and easy and they just sort of spend all, all day on Twitter just sort of making like these, you know, going for the low-hanging fruit, saying whatever seems easiest, whatever people are going to like most immediately. 
But if you really want to be authentic and you really want to sort of uh, gain power for you and your friends, and it's not about individualism, it's not just you, it's about you and all your boys, right? He talks about that in, in the end of the verse, how it's like, if one of us goes in, then we're all going to do it. it. That's communism, right? He's talking about basically how you have to be really authentic and to be really authentic, you have to do it with other people and you have to sort of build walls around you and your friends and your, your, your commune and you need to sort of close off all the bullshit and you need to put in time and dedication and patience and take your time with shit in a world that wants to sort of eat up all your time and distract you. That's fucking up. That's a revolutionary theory of how to make communism now. Boom. Okay. Two, two questions. So one, do you think Drake is a communist? Yes. And two, <laughs> and two, earlier in this podcast, you told me that the way to build communism is to have radically loving relationships with, you know, Okay, Drake and his boys. But if he's going to wall off his commune, how is he how is he going to continue building on those radically loving relationships? That's a great question, and I have a perfect, complete answer for it. Because I've also okay. been thinking about these questions too, obviously. Okay. The way you do that is it's not so much a wall as a membrane. A membrane is a really use no, it's a really useful concept because a wall signifies something that sort of you can't move in between across from, right? But a membrane is a wall that's porous and there's a certain degree of entrance and exit and and passing passing through the membrane right so what you want in building revolutionary communism is you want to build relationships that are as, as healthy and full and honest and liberated as they possibly can be and that's sort of your inner circle right but around that you want to have a thing that's kind of like a wall but more like a membrane and so that membrane you have to construct it with the people around you to be really, really firm against the bullshit, right? So like if there are like really toxic people who just like want to bring you all down, the membrane has to learn to be really, really firm against those people or like mass media bullshit, right? Like that has to be all completely radically firmly kept out of the, the, the life circle, right? Um, but you also want there to be some pores where cool people that you, that are floating all the thousands of people around the world who are super cool and who could be really cool new members of communism, you know, the revolutionary movement of global communism, like all the people who are into that and who want to participate in it, they have to be allowed to welcome to, to sort of uh, freely come in to that membrane, but only if they're willing to respect it and to participate along the guidelines in which communism is like possible for everyone to sort of find themselves in. So I don't have like all of the complete answers about how you design that membrane perfectly, but I'm pretty sure that the right idea is to think about the, the, uh, this idea of a membrane. And, and if, I think if you listen to Drake's other songs, he's also thinking about this also, right? Cause like in his new album, he's talking about, you know, his new album, you know what it's called more life. He's basically, it's like an anti-work. It's very much an anti-work sort of, no, it really is. And the song work with Rihanna, I've written about how that is like, that's like an anti-capitalist anthem. That's like an anti-work uh, anthem, right? And so this new album about, uh, about more life, what he's saying is that we have to together learn how to work less and shut out all the distractions so that we can actually build new relationships. And he's talking about doing this with new people, right? Um, like his relationships with Rihanna, whoever it might be. Um, he, he's like negotiating this membrane of how to go from like your boys and your sort of already established work routines that are good for you and empowering for you how do you open that up to others and create life spaces in which like revolutionary communism can emerge? He doesn't use those words exactly, but 
That's what he means, basically. Do you, yeah. Do you think that he will ever use the words revolutionary communism? I'm hoping that he probably will because now he's living in London. I don't know if you know this. So I'm going to try to find him somehow and talk with him. I'm pretty sure that if I shared these ideas with him, he would kind of, it would resonate with him. I really do think it would. He might not use the word revolutionary communism. He's probably too cool for that. Um, I mean, legitimately too cool for that. But I think since he's in London, if I can get a word with him, even just like five minutes, I'm pretty sure that he and I could create like a fundamentally new revolutionary movement, probably. <laughs> Wait, why is he living in London? I don't know. I think he heard that that's where like cool radicals are kind of moving to from America. So he kind of went there. But you don't no, live I'm in just London. kidding. I'm kidding. Well, I live close to London. I mean, the UK, it's so small. It's so small. Like where I live to London is like Philly to New York. Oh. Even the easier. Um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, so we don't have to talk about Drake that if you're not into that, if you're not into Drake that much. I, mean, I like Drake, but I think, you know, if you're interested in rappers with feelings, you should listen to Future. Yeah. He's been recommended to me. I'm like, I honestly, I'm not very good at keeping up on shit. So I haven't really listened to him much, but I, I, I'll check it out. He has more feelings than Drake does. Wow. I think. Cool. All right. I'll, I'll look it up. We'll talk about that on the next podcast then. Okay, cool. So what else are, you said you had other questions or what are you, inter what do you, what would you like to talk about? I have some other, uh, well, I kind of went through actually some of the, already some of the things I wanted to talk to you, to you about. How, how, tell me about the advice column. What made you, what gave you the idea to start an advice column? Oh, <laughs> um, okay. I wanted to start an advice column because, so I started my newsletter because I was, before I started the newsletter, I was sharing a lot of articles on facebook.com mm -hmm. and I like doing that because it's important to share news about revolutionary communism with the people in your life. Um, but it was giving me anxiety because on facebook.com, it's not just people in your life. It's like a lot of people who you don't even know, which is okay. Cause you can still do revolutionary communism with them maybe, but it was stressing me out and seeing people's comments and like trying to keep up. It was just too fast. And I wasn't like able to balance things well. I don't know. It was just stressing me out. Sure. So I was like, I want to stop posting on facebook.com this often and I want to um but I want to keep like engaged with what's going on and people often send me like messages saying like thanks so much for posting all this stuff. It helps me learn. Blah blah blah. And I was like, huh, that's nice. But also it's like mm, I get really annoyed by all of this new conversation about like talking about stuff as labor. Like I don't have to explain things to you because this is labor and you should pay me. Like, I don't like that, mm. but I also get it because sometimes it does feel like late. I mean, everything, whatever. Sometimes it's tiring to explain things to people when they could easily just Google it. But really what people want is like someone that they care for and respect or whatever to have a conversation with them about it. They're not just asking for an answer to something. So it's really just what we call friendship. And that's nice. Nice. Um, yeah, I think, but I sometimes like it's, yeah, but sometimes you can't be friends with everyone all the time, you know? So anyway, I wanted to start this thing so people could still read the news and maybe read my thoughts on it, but in a less public space. 
And then I don't didn't I just got a job, but I haven't started yet. But when I moved back to Philly, I didn't have a job. And I was like, I wonder if I can make money from my art for my newsletter. And my sister, Diane, who you know, said I should start an advice column and get people hooked on that. And then if they don't pay, take it away from the people who don't pay and only let like only let people who pay like five dollars a month also see the advice column and not just like the articles and my thoughts. Okay. But I haven't done that. And I don't think I'm going to because I got a job. Oh, okay. So you're not charging any money any money from anyone? Well, I asked people to donate and I made some money. It was nice. cool. It was a cool experiment. Okay, cool. That's really interesting to hear like your motivations behind that and how you came to that. So are you finding it fun to do this like newsletter and advice column thing? I do find it fun, but then since I started doing it almost every day, it was causing me stress. Like, oh my God, I have to do this every day. It takes a long fucking time to like read people's questions, think about them. I've talked to Ben about them first and then like type it all up and then like find all this content and like hyperlink. It just takes like time. So I do like doing it, but I don't like feeling like I have to do it every day, which is probably how work should be. You should do something you like to do, but not have to do it when you don't want to do it and also be able to buy food. Yeah, totally. I, and I'm sure now that you're working a job, it's going to be even harder to maintain. Yeah, because it's a union job. So there's um, no how many people are subscribed to your newsletter? I'm just curious. <laughs> um, I don't know the exact number, but over 300. Oh, that's good. Because I have a little newsletter. I don't put that much work into it. I only send something out like once every few weeks. Sometimes as much as like a few months go by um just for fun but i think i only have like uh like less than 100 i think i have like 80 or 90 or something so i would like, to subscribe if what's I'm that allowed. i would like to subscribe if i'm allowed you mean you're not already fuck you man no i'm just kidding <laughs> i didn't even know about it you're not yeah no i yeah yeah i don't no no i don't i don't publicize it that much it's, it's kind of like more it's for i use it for like more personal stuff so i'll kind of like right i'll kind of tell it's private it's not public so you have to subscribe if you want to see it um, and I'll often sort of write, a, a, it's a little bit more personal than the stuff I write on my blog or on like public websites or whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't really, I, I should share it more cause I'll, yeah, I don't think a lot, I think a lot of people don't know about it, but, uh, I like yeah. Talking about feelings. What's that? I like, I like talking about feelings, but I like personal stuff. Which is why you wanted to have this podcast, right? Are there feelings that you wanted to tell me about? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'd love to hear about your feelings. I feel like I've spoken enough. I want to hear more about what's going on in your head. Hmm. Oh, no. Um, I'm feeling, like, kind of okay. I mean, I think I touched on this earlier about life being long and boring, but mostly I'm having some anxiety about, like, like, I just, you know, decided to get a job. I mean, I knew I needed to get a job, so I got one. I'm starting in a couple weeks. And just the thought of like working every day, even if it's like good work, which it is because it's like union organizing and I think that's important and useful. It's still like, oh my God, am I gonna have to do this for the next 50 years? Like work and then like go to go home and go to sleep and then work. It's just like right. really daunting to think about being alive like that for the next however many years. Do you find that writing shit on the internet makes you feel good and like alive and does it give you energy and power do you like do you, do you get that from it at all hmm. i don't get power 
maybe energy, but mostly it's like a way to feel like a little less alone because other people are like, yeah, I feel the same way. I'm afraid to live and work for the next 50 years and I wish we didn't have to work. Like mostly anxieties are about working. Like it would be cool to be alive for a million years if you could just do the things that made you feel good and feel happy. But I think work, besides being like long and tedious and like there's only so many hours in the day also like makes us feel like bad about ourselves and like we're not good enough at our jobs or we're just like not doing as much as we should or we're not like balancing things well or prioritizing things well. Like at least for me, like working for the union, it's like I'm either really good at my job and really bad at like being Ben's girlfriend and like other people like really like the way I interact with other humans who I love or like I'm bad at my job and good at those other things or not bad at my job but feeling like I'm bad at my job which is the same thing basically because it makes me spin into like a spiral of like guilt Mm. because like I'm supposed to be working all the time Mm. so if you can figure out a way for us to not work I would like that well that's what I'm trying to do for sure Okay, how far along are you? I would say about 10% of the way. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. But, it, you know, the, I could move from 10 to 90% very quickly. You never know how these things are going to work. I have this idea that I talk about often with my my comrades here. I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a sort of revolutionary anti-capitalist group here. I don't really do organizing because um, I'm not really into that. I don't really believe in it, but I respect Pretty- it. I respect it, but I don't, I'm not interested in that, but I am a member. I'm an active member. What's that? Can you say, what do you mean you, when you say you don't believe in it? Um, meaning I think it's honorable and, and respectable for sure. Uh, and I appreciate people who like work hard on campaigns and organizing these, this sort of thing. I just, and I won't get too sophisticated or make a big, long academic critical thing about it, but what, what it boils down to is I just don't think revolutions happen that way. Like at all, and uh, revolutions happen. Yeah. What? What's that? How do you think revolutions happen? I think revolutions happen from uh, large-scale, contagious cultural change, basically. So that's why I'm more. In, that's why I've always been into you know ever since like when we met and that that mo- that silly movie we made and all that stuff I was doing back in like the Barclay Shields days. Like I'm I'm ever since then and I still am very much on that trajectory of being very interested in. Yeah, just how like living differently and uh, creating different types of relationships is possibly the only type of truly world transforming revolutionary activity that exists. And I think obviously this. Sa- hey, living in the ox. What's that? Was living in the ox was that revolutionary? Well, I I think like that was some of our intentions, but it was obviously like a failed like childish like aborted experiment. Um that went like no, that like you know nosedived badly uh but but i think it was very much in that spirit at least for me that's the attitude i had towards it and look what you were saying before about how i sound you know this can this can sound sort of new agey or like hippie shit right like oh dude we just have to think differently and we're going to change the world by thinking differently and by loving one another man that's going to lead to a global revolution yeah i know how stupid that sounds and i'm not saying that i'm not i don't think like that i don't believe that what I do think, though, is that um, what we – I think that the logic whereby large-scale social changes happen 
like actual massive global transformations of culture, like that can only occur as a complex byproduct of individuals doing shit differently. So no, I don't think like we can think ourselves into revolution, but I do think that we can uh, engage in certain attitude changes and certain behavior changes that if they become contagious and start to spread rapidly throughout society do actually in the long run have systemic institutional effects. Um, I do think that that is real. I think that makes sense. And I agree mostly. But All right, Mindy, we're back in action. Oh my God. Amazing. Um, okay. So here's the thing. We're going to have to kind of wrap it up now because I'm running out of hard, I'm running out of hard drive space. Oh. And uh, yeah. What? You had to leave at 6.15. Yeah, but it's not even so much that. It's that I barely had enough room on my hard drive to save that video we just made. So. Okay, well, I have one question. Yeah, sure. If I'm for it. Okay, so you say you don't believe in organizing, but you're part of an anti-capitalist what did you call it? Yeah, Just organization. Like, organization, sure. But you don't believe in organization. You don't believe in organizing. Well, no, here's the thing. I mean, obviously, I believe in some type of organization, but what is called... Friendship. Well, I mean, what is what it, what most people mean when they use the word organizing? I don't believe in that. <laughs> but I do... But but I, I'm not just like a... You know, I do, I do think that, obviously, on some level... Oh, nice. A dog has joined us. Oh, that's so cool. Um... Obviously, on some level, <laughs> that dog's a spaz. Obviously, on some level, I think that. Oh, who's joining us? Who'd you look at? No, my dog. She just like wouldn't sit with me, and it hurt my feelings. Oh, I, I thought you were looking at a human because you looked up. Um, yeah, I believe in some type of, yeah, organization. Like I believe in organizing things. I'm a pretty organized person. I try to be. Like I believe in being organized and like getting your shit together. Um. But the idea that you can start with organizing, I think, is like putting the, the, the cart in front of the horse, as it were. Mm -hmm. Like, let's create massive amounts of revolutionary creative energy, and then we'll have fucking something to organize. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. But people think okay. they can start with organizing. Like, you can just, you can't organize revolutionary social change. You have to try to figure out how to produce, like, revolutionary dynamics and then we can talk about how to organize them. But our problem right now is that we're all fucking like overworked and anxious and bored and depressed and mentally ill. And we don't I'm know. Yeah. And we don't know how to treat each other and we don't know how to have true relationships and we don't know how to do most basic things about generating energy and power and creative like social dynamics. So my, my, my sort of two cents is just revolutionaries have to start with the creation of like human energies and relationships and large scale cultural uh, contagions. And then maybe one day, then we'll have something to organize. But you can't just start organizing as if that's going to do anything because I, I just don't think it does. And I think, you know, it, that this bears itself out. Like, there's just not over history. I mean, like, you don't generally organize revolutions. It doesn't really happen. Mm -hmm. So what do you guys do in your organization? Is well, it just yeah. like friends hanging out? That's a really Which good I question. Um, no, well, a lot of people in the organization are really into organizing and activism and, and campaigns, and you would get along with them very well. Uh, and they want to do sort of like more, 
you know, stuff that looks like we're really doing things and we're like making things happen and we're having victories and making gains and all these like things that activists say. Uh, like there are lots of people in my organization that that are like that and I, I love them and they're my comrades. Like we're, I'm totally on board with them. Um, 